And look at this. Skype fails on us. Skype it decided to crash, guys. We're going to try to get Skype back up working. Other than that, you got to deal with me for a little bit. Um, here they start coming in. Here they start coming okay. in. Hi. Hey, Skype crashed when y'all left. <laughs> of course it did. It missed us terribly. Yep. So Skype crashed. So we're bringing everybody back in. Hopefully Evan will. There's Evan. All right. <laughs> why, why did we all leave? It crashed. As soon as you oh. went to go get your, or go do something, it like, everybody crashed. I was like, oh, yeah, great. Like, yeah, normally that doesn't happen. No, usually it's excellent that crashes on us. <laughs> Skype fail. Yeah. So everybody's back. Uh, I need to start um, putting it on Facebook. Give me a second. I'm going to load up Facebook Live. Oh, yeah. And why do I see two John? Probably because you have your old one. <laughs> yeah, the other one's the call and hold. You have to hang up the other call. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are now going to be up. Um, guys, welcome to episode 30 what, Kathy? 33. 33. 33. Yay. 33. One of the worst cards you can draw in your uh, Battlestar Galactica Crisis 30. card pile. Oh, 33? Yeah, it was a great episode. <laughs> so good. So we are going to be live. I'm going to set up this. Um, That's a little aggressive. Ooh, what do you got? This is really aggressive. Let's go with our drink count. John, what are you drinking? Uh, well, it's, it's just Sprite with the uh, apple cider whiskey, but... Uh, I may have been a little aggressive with the amount of apple cider whiskey in that. No generous. We call it generous. Oh, I would call it aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have a shot of uh, Loco Nut uh, for uh, Arlie Ermey here. Yeah, we will be doing a salute to Mr. Arlie Ermey today. If you haven't heard, he did pass away. Did they say what for him, John? I did not check. Yeah. Not see it on any of the things. Hopefully it wasn't anything. So, uh, Kathy, what are you drinking today? I am again drinking the uh, the Kraken and the Coke. Kraken and, and uh, Coke. Pretty soon I will have tea, probably uh, chai tea. Chai 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 tea. Oof. Complications related to pneumonia. Oh, like, that sucks. Unfortunate happens a lot. Yep. Everybody's been having pneumonia this year. It's weird. Yep. Evan, what do you plan on, or what are you drinking today? I have McLean's Armchair Scotch Ale. It's one of the the beers we got in the beer machine uh, beer exchange that we did at the Soup, nice. which is awesome. a podcast that may or may not be posted at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds interesting. I am doing an Imperial Stout today. This is a big old bottle. I mean, a huge bottle. It's only 9.9% per volume. So, I mean... Drink up. Maybe no problem. So, I'm glad everybody's safe. Everybody made it. I'm glad everybody's here. Um, let's do it for our buddy uh, Arlene. Thanks We're for ready. all of this stuff. Godspeed. Oh, man. That's good. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, guys, um, just give us a test message because I did do a update to 
Um, exploit more see if they fix the anonymous flag. John, if you could do that. Um, guys, today on the podcast, we have my good buddy, Evan. Supposedly, some people started asking if he was my son for some reason. I don't know why at one convention. And I guess because, you know, he's just there. Anonymous is not over with, but he is here. He runs, or helps run, um, Arcane Assist uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and they do battle reports. If you haven't watched it, um, I'm going to brag on y'all because y'all are my favorite battle report podcast, or not even podcast, uh, YouTube channel, uh, because I like the way they do their battle reports. They play it, then they talk about it, and they speed it up. So a two-hour game takes maybe like 30, 40 minutes, 45, instead of four hours, <laughs> which is really, really good. Yeah, Watching four-hour videos is kind of a problem. <laughs> yes, it is. As is filming four-hour videos. Yeah. So we we don't do that. No, and I, and that's what that's what really sets y'all apart. Uh, one, y'all talk about why you did it, how you did it after the game's over, and then you talk about, well, yeah, I just totally fucked up here, or here is where I fucked up as you did it because I went one inch too far, not thinking that blah blah blah. Which is really good, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and the best part about it is, like, if you're doing live commentary, you can't talk to your, with your opponent about what your strategy is. Because mm -hmm. it defeats the purpose of having a strategy. Yep. <laughs> but if you're doing it afterwards, then it doesn't matter what you tell them, because they already know how it worked. <laughs> Correct. Which I think is, it was just, like I said, this reason why I like y'all's uh, battle report. Because it's quick. I can watch a bunch and not feel like I wasted a lot of time and I can hear what y'all actually have to say. So, <laughs> and the reason why Evan is on is we're going to talk about the state of war machine. Uh, every month guys, we've decided on a new format. Uh, every month we're going to talk about one system and that system. And we're going to talk about the state of that system, be it war machine hordes, whatever. Um, that's one of my buddies got confused. One podcast a month will be dedicated to one game. A different one every month. Yeah. Yes, uh, hopefully with a guest or something. Yeah. So we're going to definitely be talking about a lot of War Machine tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the state of the game, where we think it's going, where we wish it would go, and maybe some changes that we might see in the future. Um, and I was told that Mr. Evan, you have, you had the most interesting comment about this type of thing at the Sioux. Um, your buddy Tim said that the reason why. <laughs> So I was asking Tim, because I asked Tim first, and Tim was like, I'm really busy. I'm like, you know, what about Evan? And he's like, yeah, you should, because Evan said something I think was the most important to say about the state of War Machine. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'll ask him. I mean, he is my adopted son and such, so I better do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. Uh, so at the Sioux, uh, we annually do the state of the union slash state of the game podcast for war machine and we get as many podcasters as we can there and we do a podcast that just basically addresses what what has happened in the year of war machine um and this year we talked a lot about cid we talked a mm -hmm. lot about theme lists and um and basically that those were the two main topics as well as the death of the death of the pg program no. um so some some important things in the game um, talked about by a lot of people who are very vocal about it. What they should be. Uh, as they should be. Um, and, and those 
probably are the three like biggest highlights of like what has changed for War Machine in the past year. Themes are now out for every faction, and everyone is always playing them. CID has fundamentally changed the way that we think and expect releases to come out, as well as it's overall been very positive for the the competitive nature of the game. Um, and the PG program going away has created an interesting and different dynamic for a lot of hobby stores. Um, so we, we kind of did a bit of a round table on all of those things. Um, so if, if, did you want to start at any particular point or what was, what was the plan? <laughs> Let, let's go ahead and start with this. Um, one of the things that we've always talked about in the podcast and is, um, the hobby part of it. One of the things that we talk about is there's, and it's not a dig on War Machine. We understand War Machine has to have Kane 1 looks like Kane 1 and so on and so forth. Um, do you think, and, and this is also because of Kathy, because Kathy's, you know, our, our big hobby person likes to do conversions and paint up schemes and they don't care about paint schemes. They care about, if he's got an axe in his hand, you better have an axe when you mod it. But how are we going to be able to change that to make this more, I'm looking for the right word, more, What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? More creative friendly. Uh, yeah. That's the best way to put it. So I get what you're saying. Um, War Machine has probably the, the strangest policy when it comes to conversions mm -hmm. in that they're not particularly friendly to them. I understand how with painting they, they ask that you don't, or well, say you can't have copyrighted logos and things like the logos of sports teams or superheroes or what have you on your models, because if you're going to a major tournament, they stream top table games. And if you happen to make it that far, then they can't actually put you on the streaming table. Yeah. But I think when it comes to their conversion guidelines, they're kind of ridiculous. Like it's, I think that anytime you see a conversion posted in a war machine, Facebook group or on the forums, you always see someone go, Eh, I don't know if that's tournament legal. I guess yep. you have to ask your TO when the reaction should just be, that looks awesome. I can't wait to play against it. Or I'd love to do something like that with my own models. People shouldn't be scared to customize their models in, an, in, a, in a war game where the whole thing is about making your army yours. They shouldn't be afraid that they won't be able to use it at a tournament because of that. And it, it's... It's, it's this weird thing that just is specific to the War Machine community that they have this mentality that it has to be, it has to look the same th as everything else, like as a juggernaut is a juggernaut is a juggernaut, and you can't change that. And it's, it's I get where Privateer Press is coming from in that they want everything in a competitive environment to be clearly distinguishable as the thing that it is, but I think it's ridiculous in that... I can change an axe to a sword and you'll still know it's a juggernaut. Why is that a big deal? Yeah. And that actually gets to the core of, I think, what would be the the interesting conundrum that is the state of War Machine. Competitively, it is an amazing spot. It is probably the best it's ever been, but casually, it is non-existent. It's, it's true. 
Um, and I mean, you'll see there are amazing painters for War Machine that love that love the the War Machine specific models, and they'll paint them fantastically. You'll see you'll go to War Machine Weekend or whatever, and you'll see the fantastic. Um, showcase full of all the competition models and the one year this year there was a fantastic conversion it was old witch with the huge like cloud of crows if anyone mm -hmm. went and saw that but nothing fundamentally about the model changed it was mostly the basing and not that that's a bad thing it's still a gorgeous model but we're not seeing spider tank scrapjack with with old witch on top or we're not seeing like we're not seeing crazy conversions that you'd see in something like Warhammer or I don't know, even like like Dark Ages conversions or Infinities or anything. <laughs> it's just not the same level of hobbying in terms of conversions. Well, I also think one of the things that was really the stickler stickler was when that one guy and it was a huge blow up was the guy that had the clear round bases. And all he did was glue. Remember that? Remember that controversy? I do. That was a huge thing, is because it wasn't a round-lipped base. They said he couldn't have it, and I was like, "As long as it's the same size, and you can check them, you know, it's not like you can't take a base yeah. and put it on the bottom of it and check it because mm -hmm. it it looked really nice." But I mean, that guy had to completely redo everything that he was doing everything. to make it to the, Yeah, and that's one of the problems. It's it's not that that's not unreasonable. Like, okay, get a round-lip bases on its own in a, in a vacuum it's on it doesn't seem reasonable when you add that to all the rest of the the problems potentially or the mm -hmm. the lack of conversions it it makes the casual people or the hobby first people shy away from the game they want to know where they can flex their hobby muscles so they don't look at war machine plus let's be honest rustic which no one in their right mind likes had hurt them a lot too i heard that sigh kathy i yeah i <laughs> I don't understand why your people think because this material is cheaper for us to manufacture, we will make more money um, when less people are buying it because of that. Well, so this is this is going to sound really harsh, and I don't mean anything I say tonight harshly. I still like the game. I still have models of the game. I still want to play the game. But War Machine is one step away from being just a freaking board game. I mean, and I don't fault anyone for it. I mean, the models aren't the important part. The the tightness and the precision with which you can play the game, which is unlike any other game, is the important part. So they don't really if they can save money and get you models because they still want it to be a, a miniature game. That that's cool for them. Um, when you know, really, you could theoretically play it with just thirty millimeter pictured guys and run around. Yeah. I've seen it done in playtesting before. So what do we think, Evan, what do you think they're going to do? you think they're going to change anything up about their conversion rules? Do you think they're just going to stick with it, or are they just going to go? I I want to say that they'll change it, but I don't know. Because they're, like, a, another odd thing that they have in there is that everything has to be, well, has to be 50% privateer press parts. And the issue with that ruling is that it's very vague because it doesn't specify whether that's by volume or by like percentage of actual physical pieces. It's yeah. like if I melt down a metal like Kador Jack and put it inside of a Games Workshop model, does that count? There's nothing that says it doesn't. You but... just have to prove step by 
up how you did it. Yeah, it, but it, it's the issue is it's they have very like they have guidelines they want followed to the T and they have they're not specific enough about what they want from it, um, in and and that's a problem. Like they they also say that there was there's something in there around about sculpting things, um, and it's like specifically like the dead pile of Kador and Winterguard on your base doesn't count or something because that's basing and not models and yep. it's like yeah because they actually they actually got rid of the 50% rule it just says a majority of the converted models volume must be composed of parts yeah. from the, and it, it's kind of okay. thing yeah because uh, that was that was a thing that it, people were like 50% were like nah no don't worry about that um that, that's always been kind of a hobby issue that we you know everybody talks about it's like you really can't make things look really cool unless you do like i'm gonna put a bunch of crows around old witch three type mm. thing yeah so um so we're hoping they kind of get a little bit more laxed on it because an axe is a sword no matter what because it's just a big old damaging weapon as long as you know and t t my thing i think that we should do is if you if the thing has a two inch reach don't give it a dagger <laughs> yeah that's oh fair. Yeah. That I could yeah. see. Yeah. That that, that I could see. Be reasonable is a fair guideline. Yeah. That but. actually happens in a lot of games. Uh, I mean, I'm playing some Malifaux in a slow grow right now, and models will come up and it'll be like, "Oh, what's that guy's melee range?" It's like it's 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 two. I'm like, "He's got that tiny dagger. How the hell's he reach two? Oh, okay, whatever. Rules are rules, you know. Yep. That's that's what it's got. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So um, let's go with the big one. Let's go with a pretty big one. What do you think about CID? Where do you think we're going to go with CID? Oh, um, so I, I was kind of vocal about this on the State of the Union. What? My opinion, is, <laughs> uh, my opinion is that CID, while great for the health of the competitive nature of the game in that it makes lists that come out very balanced, we haven't had another Una 2 happen, thankfully, Thanks to CID and what have you. Oh, yeah. And, we, and we've very been very good at avoiding things that can get into your deployment zone top of one, as seen with the Kane Zero CID that's just been happening now. What? But it's, it's I feel, for every other aspect of the game, just a hype killer. It makes me not want to play like i don't even want to touch factions that are going to get a cid in three months from now yeah. like enough is a like i don't want to touch it right now because oh i get i get exemplar cid in may and the entire faction's probably going to change so why should i practice with lists that might be different or will likely be different by the time that like next month and then after we have CID, we go through it and it changes a billion times over two weeks. Mm -hmm. Then I have to wait three more months in order to before I get the models and before I know what the rules are for my own things. And it, I still don't want to play during that three months. Yep. The example, yeah, the example I, I said before, it's it's when they announced that theme lists were coming out three months later for Scorn than they were supposed to. I stopped playing war machine for three months because i didn't like i was like there's no reason for me to play this because it's going to be entirely different in three months from now Correct. so like i 
I can't prep for conventions that are happening. Like, I can't prep for War Machine Weekend for three months because it's different for it's going to be different by the time it happens. And it's, it's, it's brutal. It just kills all excitement I have for the game. And like, it's great. Crucible Guard is a f- great faction that's balanced and not crazy overpowered or underpowered because of this. Mm-hmm. But I wish that, like, I think the solution thus far is minimizing the time between models actually physically releasing and when CID ends. Because currently the gap is three months, which is... Ugh. It's a lot. And, and it shouldn't be a problem because it's not like they have physical cards to stick in the packs anymore. So, I yeah. mean, that, 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 was their, that would be a major hang-up. If they sold cards, like, oh, absolutely, you need plenty of time to do all this logistical side but there's none of that left so i mean they need to get it caught up i need to get going yeah well, i feel like sorry well i was going back to you because i mean anytime a cid comes up i look at it and go okay i see the direction they're going i'm not playing those models i'm not gonna even worry about it because i know they're gonna change next week no matter what yeah second week all right i see where they're going with it let's do a test third week all right let's see a test they're done um, now I have to wait to see what they change after I've done what I've done because yeah. there's always, there's always a change after the final. And then there's always a secret change that they don't talk about later on that they post, you know, at the end of, Hey, and the rumor is, and the thing is, is that, uh, winter guard rocketeers, they're going to be crit additional die instead of normal additional die. And so I'm like, I, I'm not going to wait, not going to say anything, whether good or bad, until after it's completely done. Because Sorcia Spellus could be changed by the time we saw the last CID to live model. So, yep. and, and, and then, like I said, I think the CID process and the thing is good, because we don't get, like you're saying, the Una 2. Because, oh my god, that yeah. was broken as hell. Um, yeah. That was horribly uh. broken. So, um, someone so, actually brought it up, uh, and I want to bring this up, that says, uh, Max D said, would you guys argue that things like O2 being unbalanced can also be a boon for me as it gets people talking and conversations going? And I would start by saying yes, because my uh, one of my normal opponents was playing her, so I literally had to start thinking about how to beat her, and I actually had success in beating her with Gorton, and just ha- I just had to make that part of my pair. It, it was a very good, from a mental aspect of trying to beat something that someone put out there was very cool but i understand you can't have something that broken out there for long no that was so bad because it was i remember at war machine weekend when she got released and i looked at the card i took a because i had bought the model pretty early because i was walking in walking working inside and i took the card out to my circle player and says here's your broken caster filter this is how you do it win tournaments Mine's still up here in a box. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, this is stupid. I go, yeah, you're pretty much, you know, you can do whatever the hell you want for, you know, whatever. And they were like, and I remember, I remember the same thing. I was, as a Kador player, I was like, how do I stop Una 2? How do I stop all of those birds from not killing me? And I was working as much as I could. And then they were like, no, we're switching her up. I'm like, good. Because I was struggling as a Kator player to find something to balance with it. Yeah, um, and, and so it's good and it's bad because it's good because it gets you thinking, but it's you can't have anything that egregious because 
some factions didn't have an answer. Well, yeah, and there was also it. It was ruining tournaments. I mean, there was this. I had people who were like, "Oh, this is my first time playing with this faction oh. and this thing, and I won the tournament." Yeah, that's yeah, it happened, yep. but yeah, you can't keep it for long. Yeah. So I think there's something to be said for Privateer Press's philosophy when it comes to to balancing a lot of things, because I'll what, and I think they could take something from what Infinity does instead of doing what they do, and that's that whenever Privateer Press adjusts something, and I think Una's the exception to this because she did like actually need to change because she was yeah. she was fundamentally breaking the game, but oh, yeah. um, a lot of the time the solutions for their problems in terms of balance can be solved by bringing other things into the game. And it's not about, like, it's not about bringing those things down, it's about bringing other things up to their level. Um, for example, Ghost Fleet got nerfed because it had too much armor cracking. Recursion was a huge problem for a lot of factions. Um, Denegro's feat was incredibly powerful in terms of what it did. Oh, yeah. It was and, a total package, pretty much. Exactly. So... Let's say instead of because they they took away Denny's um, ability on her feet to remove or to prevent you from doing power attacks and running and yada yada yada, and sure that part, portion of the feat was problematic, making your Kador Jack speed two and saying it can't run is a problem. So let's get rid of that. That's a, that's a problem. But instead of saying your factions can't deal with this much armor cracking and recursion, give those factions ways of preventing Denny for casting spells on them or ways of getting more RFP in their lists. Give bring bring things up as opposed to taking other things down. Cause that way it makes people more excited about models they weren't using. What if we instead of Calcite Woods like I was about literally about to say, <laughs> what if we gave Cossite Woodsman takedown? Yeah. I mean like ambushing takedown models? Oh hell yes. Yeah, like, and they're gonna hit the def eleven or uh, well, they're pro they're they're gonna need some back arcs to hit those zombies, but they can do it because they're ambushing. Yep. Yeah, and if you remember at the end of Mark Two when uh, Nigel started doing uh, the you know Sorcerer with Cossite Woodsman, that actually got some hype and some excitement for it. So yeah, that's that's definitely uh, an interesting idea on that. Like it, it's a, it's about making people excited about the models that they're not. And instead of making people be like, I'm afraid to buy things that are good because I think they're going to get nerfed. Because people keep saying that. They're like, I don't want to buy more Cricks because I'm just going to get worse models eventually. <laughs> and that's... No, no one wants to buy a ton of Slayers because deep in their heart... They know it's going to change. Yeah, they know it's going to change. <laughs> Mad Dog Spam. Mad Dog Spam is a perfect example. Slayer Spam right now. Oh, yeah. I that's what I'm saying. But that's, that's the reason why people are like, hmm... Do I really want to buy these Slayers? Because look what happened to the Mad Dogs. Now, personally, I think the Slayers are, like, perfectly at that tipping point. They're really good. But I think we have enough answers that they might not be too good. It's hard to say thus far because they've only been in the meta for a couple months now. But I, I, I think, think Slayers are fine. I think it's actually something else that's broken. I think it's the theme list that's broken. Well, and that's, like I said, that's the reason why people are worried about, I'm not going to buy all this stuff to get this. Because, you know, you know, it may be nerfed. So what is the, what do you think is the, um, how can I say, 
what is the good of the CID? I mean, what's the really good? I mean, because there, there's there's always a good and a bad. What's the best part of the CID that we've been seeing so far? Balance. The Uno, an Uno 2 not coming back out, like like Evan yeah. said earlier. Not having that hit, because that, that turned a lot of people off, but not having that come out yeah. is great. People are looking at it and going, dude, guys, y'all, y'all screwed up. I can kill someone on turn 1A. Um, yep. <laughs> Kaya, remember the Kaya when Mark Three came out, or not Kaya, um, Sloan. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Sloan errated the weekend of release. Good yeah, job. because of that. Yep. This is making yeah. me really want to jump on board with this game, guys. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, there, there is a good behind all of this. I mean, we have been talking a lot of the negative uh, because yeah. it, it, it gets it gets us all riled up. But the CID has done a lot of good stuff because imagine if they would have brought out Grimkin bef- without the CID. It'd have been fucking busted. Yeah. So, for, for those of us who, who don't know, what is the CID? Oh, it's the integrated development. It basically means they put out all the playtest rules for okay. the models so you can play them and they'll put some notes occasionally like, oh, with this, uh, we're intending them to do this, so this isn't going to change. So keep that in mind with your uh, battle reports. So you play games, battle reports, submit ideas, and they look at that and decide how they're going to fix stuff or how they're going to have new models come out. Is that how Malifaux got that idea when uh, they moved from first edition to second edition? Uh, no, actually, because... that was first. No, that, yeah, so, they did it first. <laughs> these guys technically, their... technically okay. War Machine did it first first because they did it for Mark II. Yeah, because when Mark II came out, they everybody test it. But now there's a lot more feedback and a lot more information. Blood Bowl did it first with their living mm-hmm. rule book. <laughs> Ooh, wow. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, at least in Mark II, it was a little bit different because it was a lot harder to get into. You actually had to apply to be a playtester and have mm-hmm. a playtest group, and then they'd send you the document, and you were under NDA, and you couldn't tell anybody, and da-da-da-da-da. But, um... <laughs> yep. Um, and with, um, with this, it's a lot more open, not only because, like, anyone can sign up and you're likely to get in, but no one's under an NDA. Like, you immediately see, whenever a new CID comes out, the entirety of it put in X-Faction Facebook group. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, this is so broken, as much as, like, a lot of these people aren't going to be able to submit feedback because they're not in the, f- the forums for the community integrated development. And a lot of these people haven't actually done any form of playtesting before, so they don't know how to do it. Like, when you're playtesting a game like this, you have to be able to go play through a turn, and if something, if dice rolls went particularly poorly, or if something out of the ordinary happened, you have to be able to record that and then rewind everything and play it out again just to see how certain situations affect the models that you're testing because the there's going to be like countless opportunities for random shit happening that you don't expect and things from poor like odd nudging of models and poor positioning to bad dice rolls affecting your opinions on how these models actually play and function yep plus natural bias yep oh yeah yep there's just there's so much that goes into it and 
now it's open to everyone, I guess. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but... Not always I... a good thing. Exactly. Because we know how the general public can be. Mm. And, and weeding through that is, is one of their issues that they look at. They're like, yeah, you're off topic. You're just bitching. Get away from it. They're, they're, they're Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're pretty <laughs> quick on that. They're really quick on that, but often people just make new accounts and get back in anyway. <laughs> True, but you got to worry about it. City um, is a good thing overall, and yes. they're, they're handling it a good way. Uh, I love when they did the Ghost Fleet where they said, Hey, look, we know you're all suggesting for us to take the Ghost Pirates themselves and and nerf the Recursion. Recursion is what they're going to be known for. This is not going to change. Look at it know with that in mind. Yep. There's, that's, it's great. And, I mean, thankfully they didn't nerf the Recursion part of Ghostly because that's what makes it iconic. Yeah. They did nerf the damage output of the Pirates, though. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, maybe that was a problem with the Negro, but I feel like that's a hurdle we could have overcome as players just by figuring it out and workshopping it. Um, the Negro State probably had to change again, as yeah. said earlier. But but that's but, but the point of the Ghost Pirate faction being cool and being the one that comes back all the time is still super interesting. And they didn't change that, and they said they weren't. So, um, let, Let's talk about what makes... Because um, I was talking with someone else about this. Um, and the steamroller. Um, War Machine, and I don't care how they want to put it, whatever, is a tournament-style game. Um, it's nobody... I should say not nobody. Very few people play War Machine at a 75-point level as a casual game. Everybody's like, hey, I want to test this list out because I'm going to go to XY Tournament. And so... Their tournament system rules and have to be tight because that's what everybody goes for. Um, not saying I don't want play a game with someone for friends, but you know that's usually how it comes out. What do you think we're going to see with the new Steamroller packet coming out? Because that's coming out in what two months, three months? July first, I want to say. Right, right after lock and load. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the new scenarios that they put out just as they were, were super interesting and felt very different just because the dimensions were different than most of the things we see. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this current uh, steamroller packet is fantastic, and as long as they don't bring back radials, we're probably fine. Radials? <laughs> For people who don't know, what are radials? Radial scenarios? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so radials were scenarios where instead of having the normal deployment zones, you would deploy in, what was it, like a 12-inch circle from yes. a corner? <laughs> you play, you'd play like, like corner to corner, and it just, like, some of the scenarios were just, you have an objective, they have an objective, there's a flag in the middle, if you kill their objective, you win. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no zones. This is just free-for-all, go. And that was in, that was during the time of, uh, Vlad and Iron Flesh Chaosy Assassins. Yep. I remember that. Uh, uh. I mean, I like the way that they're going. I think one of the best changes they've done so far is that they took and said you have to score five more than your opponent in control points. Because yep. um, I'm, I'm going to give this example of, and the thing is, is it's still because one, one, one of my issues with War Machine and Horde is now about who goes first. Because if 
you go first and you've got a speed army and you can block off all these lanes, you got you can get a quick and easy win out of it. Uh, at Adepticon, I got first turn, played with Murder Crows. Um, my opponent was playing a slow uh, scorn list. Uh, he was playing... Um, uh, what, what's their multi-wound models right now? I can't think of it. Um, uh, cataphracts? Cataphracts. He was playing a cataphract list. And all I did was run my Murder Crows up as far as he could. And then he walked forward in shield wall. And I went, that's game. Yep. That that was game. <laughs> I, I looked out of him, Centrani also. Uh, and I just I, he goes, what do you mean? I go, all right, I'm going to show you. And, you know, you should have moved up more because you could have got through it. But I blocked everywhere he could trample, everywhere he could go. And it blocked off all three zones. And I just stood in the zones and went, all right, at the end of your turn. You know, I'm going to get this many points and I'm, you know, then my turn's going to come up and I win with six zero. Yep. Um, I think going first with speed armies, I think is something that needs to be looked at, but I don't know how to figure that out, but I don't know how that works, but I don't think that's too big of a deal in my opinion. Uh, say something totally controversial. What? They need to blow up the whole system. Okay. It's it's too complicated for the the average person to come in. Uh, changing every year, how much they change nowadays is kind of rough. The different zones and stuff for different things controlling, it's too much for a casual tournament player to jump into. Um, it's it, it. I think it's hurting people who would normally jump into a tournament. Like, oh yeah, I play a tournament with some guys, and they see this stuff. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is not fun. Let I think alone, they blow it up. Go ahead, Kathy. Let alone the, the casual gamer who just wants to have some fun games in their basement with their friends. Yeah, oh, because yeah. Cause it used to be Steamroller was the way you played because it was both really, really competitive, but also easy enough that the casual guy could get into it. And, and with so many other games coming out now where they have such good scenarios, just inherently, with... Weird, with weird deployments and interesting deployments and weird objectives, interesting objectives, they need to get, they need to compete with that. And I think they're missing their, I mean, Steamroller for you, for the competitive guys who are in it and they're like the top level or mid to top level competitive guys, it's great. I would never badmouth it. It does what they want to do, but I think they need to make it do more. So you you play Malifaux and know how that scenario system works and that I, I I've played a ton of Malifaux and I love that system. Yes. And I think mechanically it works well with that system. But what kind of what kind of system do you want War Machine to have? Because I feel like with Malifaux it has a very similar problem in that there are uh, dozens of possible scenarios and you don't need that much. But like you're talking about radials and it brought to my mind that radials inherently weren't a terrible idea it's just the scenarios went with them weren't it was extra it, it was extra difficult for everyone because also then suddenly you had to change the terrain because it's set up for the standard deployment zones so you didn't have to move terrain every game because it makes it easier on the tournament organizer and we all want that but having interesting different deployment zones like having seen you know a, a dozen games of a half dozen games of a legion played and variable deployment zones i've seen a lot of interesting things come from that and I don't know how they could work it in, but I think they should be looking at that long term. Maybe not this year. I mean, it's short term at this point, but they should be yeah. looking at that long term just so they can get more excitement. If they if they can scale back the complexity of them just a touch, but keep them competitive and then add some more interesting factors, you will get 
all those guys who are like, I'm not a tournament player, but they played in all the tournaments. The guys you know, you know would show up every time, but now they don't because it's just too much to keep up with and having the scenarios on top of all the models they have to keep track of. Because, you know, they're playing in their local store and someone's breaking out CID stuff and they're like, what's going on here? And then on top of that, like, oh, God, the scenarios are changing. What's going on? And they're like, I'm out. I'm going to go play 40K. It goes, roll dice, fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and, and it's gotten to a point where with 40k or, or with Games Workshop stuff, they're not they're not updating all their rule books quite as often as they used to. Nope. Whereas it seems like, from listening to you guys, Privateer Press is updating their stuff all the damn time. You can't keep up. If I'm somebody who would really like to start this game because I've always thought it seemed fun and I always liked the models but I feel like it's just for tournaments and that's not what I'm interested in, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I think what what the Steamroller does, and what it, what it does really well, in my opinion, is you know what you have to do in the what you have to do in the scenario. You know that these models can only score on this, these models can only score on that. This is how you win, this is how you lose. Mm-hmm. Um you're going to come up. All right, I've got to get this solo on this spot. I've got to get this troop in this. i got to get this jack or beast in this. And i got to stop my opponent from doing the exact same thing. Which, if you're a tournament player like I am, that's pretty simple for the most part. Um, the thing is, it's a lot for a newbie to get in because there's so many moving parts. But it is. Circles are for troops. Rectangles for jacks and beasts and etc. And flags and so on and so forth. Um, and so you get to do that. What I think that the steamroller, and this has always been a big gripe of mine, and I hate it more than anything, is using strength of schedule as the tiebreaker because of drops. Strength of schedule is bullshit. We knew that. But yeah. so, so it's funny. When you said that, my mind just immediately went to... So it used to be the scenarios were made to make you play the game. Mm-hmm. Because they, mm-hmm. they were all like, let's get in there, let's play the game. Let's get in there, fight each other, don't... Sit back and snipe. Let's get together and fight. Mm-hmm. They're not about that anymore. You're no longer playing War Machine. You're playing Steamroller. War Machine is the models you're using, or words of the models you're using. Steamroller is almost a different game. And I think, you know, having that realization here, I think that may be the core problem in everyone. Because you're technically playing a different game. You know, if I break up my casual models, and, and I'm still, you know, casual tournament. I, I understand steamrollers. I, I know what scores what. But I break it out against my buddy Chris, who's my normal infinity and, and whatever opponent. He's like, I don't know what any of this shit is. And he doesn't fucking care. He wants to go forward, have his move his guys, and have fun. And I think at a level, maybe those are getting in the way. I think, I think what they're trying to do with the steamroller, and, and I like that we get a new steamroller packet every year. For the simple fact that we can go, this did not, this steamroller scenario did not work for what we did after we've seen all the data. We have to change it. Incursion. Um, so, so, it's funny you say that when Incursion, a.k.a. Three Flags, is the simplest, most easily effective for <laughs> anyone to play scenario ever created. You put three <laughs> flags in the middle of the table, everyone knows what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you got to get them. But I, I like I like that they did it where it isn't an automatic win for the Denny player. Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, how many times have I I've played against Crick, uh, Cricks and I go, well, you went first, you you ran up first turn, second turn, you pop feet, I can't get into any zones to stop you from scoring, you win. 
So Gonzo Crimson nineteen ninety said, just do painting as a tiebreaker. <laughs> Damn. Uh, it's a bold move. I like it. Oh man. Yeah, I You would see a race our paint in their armies now. That's fucking incredible. We should do that. Yeah, soft scores. Soft scores. You know, in tournaments. Soft scores came about for a reason, and I don't think War Machine needs those. Let's not go down no. that uh, rabbit hole. War Machine I, does not need to follow the pattern where sportsmanship and painting makes you win or lose, lose a game. No, no, absolutely not. I, I do think that there should be a best general, per se, the guy that wins the tournament, and then a award for the best sportsman, and then the win for best painted army. That way people start painting their armies. And I think that stores yeah. need to do that also. I don't know, Evan, how your old store do it, but most people, when they come in, you pay for it, you get store credit for first, second, and third. That's it. And I'm like, but what about that guy that comes in and has this incredibly painted army, and he looks good, and he played decent. It's pretty much, you're just, and I don't want to say you're giving middle finger to him, because you're not, because he's doing yeah. the thing. But I think you need, we need to start recognizing those people because there are some badass-looking armies out there that they're just kind of like, oh, that's that guy. We don't care. He didn't win any prizes. So in big tournaments, when I'd run them at Drop Zone, I would always have a painting award. Mm -hmm. Whoever was the best-painted army, I'd get uh, a couple uh, guest judges to come by and take a look at armies. Mm -hmm. And in every tournament, we would always give out, every time you, uh, you played a game with a completely-painted army, you'd get a raffle ticket. And then at the end, we'd draw a raffle ticket, and there'd be a prize for that. And I, I think you're right. I mean, I think – so this is a broader subject. I'm going to touch on it for a minute. Yeah, we're, we're kind of going off topic, but yeah. every single game we play tournament-wise has become too competitive first, and we need to get back to the core of it's a hobby. First place prize, absolutely. Second place prize, almost always, sure. Painting prize, yes. Maybe even give out a smoking boots once in a while. Don't do it every, game, every, every tournament because people start gunning for it. But, start, uh, but once in a while, like we would do one where we'd do smoking boots. Then if I got, we caught with anyone look like they were tanking a game. Last game we go like, here's the smoking boots gift card. Whichever of you wins this last place game, gets that gift card. Yeah, and and I've seen I've seen a couple of other stores start doing that now. Start providing other prizes besides first, second, and third, um, because they've been doing that. Like I, said, I, I don't know how y'all do it, Evan. So do y'all? What do y'all do for like store so, um, basically for every game system we have in our store, we do first, second, third store credit. As you said, we almost always like 90% of the time have store sportsmanship and painting sportsmanship can only be voted on by people you actually played painted could be voted on by anyone. And then we'll also occasionally throw in again, as you said, the, the smoking boots person who came in last yeah. gets uh, a set of dice. And the thing is, is I, I think as a, as a community, we need to start doing that. But I also think PP needs to kind of start pushing that too. Because if, if they don't start pushing it, or don't, they don't start saying more about it, going, guys, we really need to give this to these people because it's we, we want to promote that guy that painted this badass army. We, you know, I think if they, they were behind it. Look and go like, oh, look at this amazing hobby. Yes. Like, even, so, uh, my buddy, uh, Marshall even painted some of his squadrons for, uh, Armada, and he gets tons of looks, you know, just a simple thing like that, you know, it's a next level, people are like, oh, mm -hmm. crap, look, you can do that, and look, it looks amazing. Yeah. So, 
PB does this weird thing with painting when it because for a while in hardcore and Iron Gauntlet, you were required to be fully painted. Yep. And they had painting rewards for both of them. Yep. Then both of those things are no longer formats. They have champions. Champions requires you to be painted. Except maybe not after the Steamroller CID. I guess we'll find out when that actually happens. Because mm-hmm. you might not have to be fully painted for champions anymore. That was which really was in, weird. Which is really weird. Because it's intended to be, again, the this is this is the best of the best in all aspects of this hobby. It's You have to be good at the game. You have to be able to play in this limited format. And you have to have a fully painted army. And... That might not be a thing anymore, which is weird because Privateer Press has also started paint or pushing their painting products really hard yeah, yeah. in their community development things because they've started doing a lot more of their uh, P3 paint on with Dallas Kemp. And <laughs> I want to say, yeah, yeah, with Dallas and Brendan, I want to say. Yeah, Brandon, Brendan. Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. I was right the first time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on on their YouTube channel. And they're doing the same kind of community engagement thing that GW started doing with those videos. But it's weird that they're pushing it up one way and then continually pushing it down the other. Because they, they, they seem like they can't really decide. Like, they know their players are are who they are and what they're going to do with their armies. <laughs> yes. But they really want to, like, try to convince them to paint. And they're not sure where to go with it, but at least by what they're trying or by the things they've been doing and what they've been doing, it it seems that way. Evan, have you seen what Weird did with the Malifaux tournament rules? Uh, Not recently, um, because I I remember they required you to be fully painted unless you had this the uh, the translucent plastic. That's exactly it. Their base packet is fully painted. Though their translucent stuff counts as fully painted if you just put it on okay. base. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have an option for unpainted, but like the core is paint everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea to sort of encourage because, to be honest, how hard is three colors in basing? It's really not hard. Especially so, when one of your colors is primer. <laughs> primer is not a color, Well, I mean. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. I, I I don't know about you, but I prime my score in green, and there's a lot of green on my models. Oh, no. <laughs> That's colored primer right there. Yep. Yeah, colored primer. Uh, I mean, I don't really argue with colored primer. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I had I had Space Marines with gray chain swords, where I painted them a darker gray than the actual plastic. But since it's the only thing gray on the model, they're like, "You didn't paint the chain swords." I'm like, "Oh God, hold on. Here's my hobby knife. Scrape. Look, it's painted. Now shut up." I painted some metal things gray like that. They were old Blood Bowl metal. And uh, people would pick them up thinking they're plastic. And they're like, God, that's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Well, uh, I, I think and it, it goes back to the thing is where, you know, the, the, the steamroller, they said no painting. I'm like, there needs to be at least one tournament format that says that it has to be painted. But I mean, and, with Dallas and Brendan and their P3 painting thing that they've been doing is great. They need to push that a lot. In my opinion, yeah. because that we need to get more hobby people into the game, so they can come in and they can we can do stuff. Because I know a lot of people that have stopped playing just because there's no, and I, and I put other quotes around hobby, but there really to them there wasn't any hobby to it. Is are you good at the game? No, get out. Type thing. Yeah, fair. And and I hate that because it's terrible, but fair. Yeah. And, because you know, one of the things about our community of gamers is we have the best community of gamers of everybody. 
of any game system I've ever played, the War Machine and Horde players, for the most part, are the best people doing it. Because I don't know how many times I've seen someone get their army stolen and the community comes together and gets them a new army. Yeah. Um, I've never there's seen... There's a lot of love in our community. Yeah. Uh, someone had something financial happen to them, they helped them out. Someone couldn't get to a tournament because of XYZ, they helped them out. Someone That's passes great, away... We do charities in there. I mean, the community are, of yeah, this absolutely. is amazing, which is, I think, what's really holding this thing together more than anything. Not, War Machine's still a great game. Let's not go off of that. It's yeah. just that, you know, we push each other a lot to be better and do better. And that's the key is we need to start, all of us need to start doing that with the painting aspect too. All I know none of you top-level players are listening to this podcast, but if it reaches your ears... You need to take it to the level. You need to get your guys painted. It doesn't have to be golden demon quality. You don't have to be like winning awards. Three colors, base, it's plenty. Look, I painted my models. I put effort into it. I care about this game more than just trying to, you know, win this tournament. I want my models to look good. On I want to be an ambassador because every one of you guys is winning tournaments. You may not want to hear this, but you're an ambassador. This is the internet age. It's 2018, dog. You are an ambassador of this game as soon as you win a tournament, any big tournament. Mm-hmm. And you need to media, think about that. If you're winning, they're putting a picture of your models up on the internet somewhere, probably on the Privateer Press uh, website. And if they're not painted, they're not going to do it. Yeah. So you'd be surprised. <laughs> there was a promotional video that Privateer Press did that was like super epic music going through the game, and they were panning over trays at a tournament. It's just like, look at all the like models that were literally falling apart and bare metal were in that video. Well, one, one of the uh, original stories I heard was, and I'm not going to say names, I know what the names are, but two people were playing like in a finals tournament, and they had models just not staying in their bases they were barely assembled like you said not even glued to the base not even done the tricks the bend the tab trick to stick in the base so it doesn't come out they weren't doing a damn thing and that was terrible they've come a long way since then it's not that bad anymore really but they need to do something and, and we all need to do something and it's and you can't be mean about it you got to be cool about it well, let's let's go with one other aspect before we do uh there's two things i want to talk about before we get to our media section and one thing is is we need to talk about something that privateer press is trying to do and they're trying to make this a more casual friendly game of course it's not war machine and hordes it's company of iron um i don't know how company of iron is at where y'all are um uh, it's very rarely played at us um it's usually played at conventions because it's that break away from doing whatever um it's some of the smaller groups or smaller people like that game because it is a smaller and easier format to play. They don't have to, you know, spend 40 billion years learning every model. They can play something easy. So how, how is Company of Iron at your, uh, up, up there? So it's, it's weird in that it'll be a very, it's very, it's more or less like it's, it's not, dead per se but it's very infrequently played but like as soon as we start playing it again because I'll, I'll turn to my my good friend ian and be like hey you want to play some company of iron and we'll be like you know what we haven't done that in a while that sounds awesome let's do that and we'll go and play we'll, we'll play company of iron for a couple of days or for a week or whatever and it'll lull off again and maybe a month and a half later we'll get the same itch to play some more company of iron and we'll play it and i feel like that's all it really needs to be because 
the best part about Company of Iron thus far, at least from what I've found, is that there isn't the huge tournament scene for it, so we can play these very cool narrative scenarios with weird terrain that wouldn't really work in a tournament, because mm-hmm. we can just be like, oh yeah, this weird little like swirly tower thing. I mean, I guess we'll just jank say you can climb up it and like shoot down, and if you want to charge, you can just like swirly go up the stairs. Yeah, sure, why not? So that sounds fine, whatever. And like, it's not a big deal. Um, and there's the cool, weird, like, no-quarter scenarios. And that's that's also a great part about Company of Iron. They're putting a ton of stuff in no-quarters for it, including that crazy four-player scenario that they showed that they played a tournament for at Adepticon. Like, it's a... Well, <laughs> going back to the whole... I said there's no big tournaments, and then I said there was a tournament at Adepticon. <laughs> well, eh... But um, but that was again. It wasn't a super serious tournament at the very no, least. It like they just they were laughing and having a good time, and that's what this game really should be. But uh, a lot of the time is it's two players sitting in silence across from each other doing this face. Yes, very <laughs> much so. And like that's not a bad thing. That's like that's what your tournament game is going to be for a lot of games. But I feel like sometimes when you need to cool down a little bit from the competitive scene, Company of Iron is a great way to do it. And it's also a great way because I can go and pick up a box that I've always wanted to paint it off, paint off the shelf and paint that, even though it's not a faction I've ever played or plan on playing at all. I'm planning on getting a bunch of cool um, uh, Blighted Ogren for Legion of Everblight, the awesome-looking UA. I'm not going to play a Primal Terrors list with them. I'm going to paint them like fell orcs from WoW and play some Company of Iron. Yeah. Nice. That sounds like fun. Yeah, and I I think what what they've done with Company of Iron is try to get that... um, My friend Erica can't play War Machine Horse because it's at a certain point level because it's just too much. But Mm -hmm. she loves her circle, and she can play Company of Iron because it's seven or so models. It's quick and easy. It's, you know... You go, I go. It's not me figure out my entire turn and have to figure out whether I'm going to win or lose on one mistake. She can make a mistake with one model and go, oh, that one model's just dead. Now I've got six more or whatever. Um, and I think I think what they're trying to do with Company of Iron, I think, they need, I think they need to push it, and I think it needs to be pushed more of, you know, get behind this. PP, get behind this. You've got something here. Let's see you do it. Get behind it and get behind it well besides a scenario. Start pushing it as an event. Um, everywhere you go and try to get and don't put it out whenever don't have a company of iron event when there's a steamroller have don't it limit go ahead go ahead I said don't limit your 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 supplement to it to no no quarter not everyone's gonna buy that put some stuff on your website once in a while for free some free PDFs not PDFs. PDFs are cheap Mm-hmm. Just Oop. try and do something with that. Just, Dear just... Lord, Gonzo. Sorry. Yeah, that was surprising. Um, <laughs> I got to change so, that. Um, what I th- I've wanted from PvP for so long, for War Machine, for anything, my favorite game in the world is Mordheim. Because oh. I, I love the progression of these characters that yes. are going through epic battles and just trying to find treasure and survive. And, oh, no, not not Ricky. Ricky died. No, <laughs> I loved Ricky. But it, I want something like that from this universe that I love, and I want it to be put into 
that size of game with Company of Iron, and they have the rules there, they have the framework for it, but they just haven't put out any kind of narrative campaign that I can go and level up through, and they they have the perfect system for it too, because we can just take the Iron Kingdom's RPG system, take a character from that, it doesn't even have to be I level up the entire warband, just one model, use the Iron Kingdom's or some variant of it, and level up that model through a campaign. I'd be happy with that. But I think there needs to be some kind of persistent campaign system that keeps me attached to what I'm playing in order for me to want to continue to play this long term. Correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything that has a uh, like a season. And I always hark back to my first Gateway Miniatures game, Blood Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, with the seasons. It, it always kept it more interesting because you're building your characters up. And we had a lunch league of uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy, just like a, a little skirmish game that we did house rules for. And it was kind of like Mordheim, but since GW was no longer promoting Mordheim or selling the rulebook or anything, we just, like, made shit up. Uh, yeah! You know? <laughs> but it, we all had these little war bands, and we're building them up progressively with each game. And it makes it more interesting. Yep. And that's exactly what they need. Like, I, I, I'm still playing Blood Bowl to this day. Our store has a 13-season league that looks oh. like it's not going to stop anytime soon. Damn. Like, yeah, well, season 10 was our finale. And then we restarted with the new edition because there was whole new yeah. rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're still going. Like, it's not showing signs of stopping. We still got 22 people in our league, so... Yeah. <laughs> like, Freaking like, awesome. We should get on and just talk about Blood Bowl one night. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that could be a yeah. future one. Yeah. Uh, we, we, could do a future, we could do a future episode on small, continuous narrative games. Blood Bowl, Necromunda, etc., etc. Handle that, yes. yes. Um, that's okay, so let's get an opinion. Um, how are we going to rate this? Um, listen, uh, is War Machine stagnant, rising, falling, or just right where it needs to be right now uh, type thing? Do you think that you think War Machine is doing pretty good? Do you think that they need to work on a bunch of shit? You know, wh where do you rate War Machine as, you know, the state of War Machine in awards right now? Let's go. Kathy, you're, you are really, really brand new to this. So let's go ahead and get your opinion. With all of the changes that they keep making, I don't see how it could be considered stagnant. I can understand how there would be people who who like that, all of the uh, community involvement and everything, mm -hmm. and I can understand that there would be people who don't like those changes continually happening and just want a little stability in their lives. Okay. I think the stream did. Oh, never mind. It's back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a glitch. Uh, John, what do you think? Uh, I would say they are, from my point of view, in a bad place. Uh, we can fill tournaments, but Wednesday night, War Machine is two people. Three if I show up. From, you know, we used to fill a room with tons of people. You know, we'd, we'd have uh, journeyman leagues with 20-plus signups, and now we have two people. It's, it's in a bad place, casually speaking, and they need to rectify it quickly or... They won't have the casual guys to support the game so that the tournament guys can play at their level. It'll, it's just, unfortunate the hard the hard economics of it. Okay. I agree. 
I like it. It prevents me from wanting to join all this craziness that's just dedicated to uh, competitive play. Evan. So I feel like my experience with my local store has been a lot different from a lot of other people's. Um, from what I've heard from a lot of my friends that live in different regions uh, all, all over America, they they say, oh, Privateer Press at my store is basically dead. My store has stopped stocking it. And anytime we want to introduce a new player, it's harder to say, oh, you have to go up to the front desk. Then they'll order you in all of these this list of models that they may or may not be order, able to get. And then they can just turn to the wall and pick up a box of 40K. It's really hard to convince someone to get into this game. For me, our War Machine community consistently gets about 8 to 12 people every Thursday night. And it hasn't we haven't lost players we're not but the big part is we're not gaining players anytime we get someone new it's cuz oh you know i'm i'm coming back from the game after a long time um i'm not sure if i'm going to stick with it or not but i figured with all these cool new changes i'd try it and either they'll have a super positive experience and we'll have another regular come out every couple of weeks or every week if we're lucky enough or they'll have a really terrible experience because a tournament player crushes them and they'll never want to come back again. And it's it's all about who they first come in and encounter. It's all about how these people talk them through the game. It's, it's a lot more than just what the company is doing. It's a lot about what the community is doing. And this comes back to the death of the Press Ganger program. And while it's good to have those those pillar people who are great for the community and you know are great for the community, I think we need to nurture and have better communities that are willing to introduce people to the game and understand that if someone's coming back to it, not to just be like, oh yeah, a 70.5 point game with scenario and clock, and yeah, you'll be fine, don't worry about it. Because that's going to intimidate someone and like they're not going to be okay with that right off the bat you have to ease someone into it i know as soon as we had a journeyman league literally everyone who had signed up to our journeyman league were our experienced tournament players except for maybe two people and there's a lot of good coming out of those tournament players because we have a very positive community but there's also a lot of intimidation and whether or not that's intentional or malicious because it's not it's it's there because these players are coming in and seeing that oh boy this is really intense around here i'm not sure about this and it's it's rough for that so in terms of the progression of the game and where it's going i think privateer press is on the right track they have a lot of great new releases coming out and there's stuff for people to be excited about we have a new faction coming every year which is bound to get experienced players interested and excited but for new players, we're not really gaining anyone, and that that's a problem for a game long term. And they really need to work on enticing new players and kind of teaching their community how to handle that. We have the the if anyone paid attention to what came out of Gamma, the peer mentor program coming out, mm-hmm. which we'll have to see how that goes. We haven't gotten the packets for it or anything yet, but it looks like it's going to be promising for adults wanting to bring in their children to play war games in general because we really haven't gotten anything like that from a company. And they're going to be giving out pretty generic and simple to follow rules for it. But 
Well, only time will tell, I suppose. True. So what do you give it? Stagnant? I think he said In it terms was on, of, on the right path. I think they're on the right path, but player acquisition is stagnant, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm kind of right where you are on that. And uh, someone made a comment that um, losing the press gangers kind of pushed the casual events away. Um, and, I, of course, some of the press gangers are now kind of former press gangers are now kind of like no longer running stuff because they've been running stuff for so long that now it's only about the tournament scene. That, you know, because I used to run an event called... Uh, Steamroll with a twist, which was just a funny, stupid event, and now I just do it only at War Machine Weekend for the old man tournament. Um, but I, I, to me, I think they're pretty. I think they're stagnant. We haven't seen a new player in forever, um, and the people that are playing, the people who've been playing for the last four years, five years, um, we're not getting anybody new. Um, more people disappear more than come in. Uh, but typically we have four or five average players every Monday and Thursday. So we're not seeing any growth whatsoever, which is kind of sad. Um, so I think, to me, War Machine is kind of stagnant right now. They they need to start pushing more on different things and looking towards getting new people. Because if you don't have new people coming in, you're not going to be selling any product. Because eventually you either A, going to have all the models... Or don't want to buy into the new army. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's so, going to be a thing. I think, guys, to me, they're stagnant. So stagnant with the community, even though they're always like changing the rules. That's the thing. That's stagnating the community, it seems to me. Don't you think like changing the rules and constantly updating the rules all the time and adding new things is turning people off where they just get in the comfort zone with playing a game and all of a sudden they have to learn all this new stuff. It turns casual players off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're an experienced player who plays the game every week or even more than that, then that's the only thing keeping you in is that there's constantly something to be excited about. But as a casual player, who's just getting to learn the ropes and finally learned what that annoying model that kept beating them in Menoth did. And it's about to change is really annoying. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So we need to do our giveaway. Um, I show that we have 10 people in there. Of course, three of us are mods, so we can't count them. So I show that seven, but I don't see that everybody is. I got Maxim DT Xander are our only ones that are followers. Oh, and Miles, Miles, uh, he was there, but he can't get into Twitch. His Twitch is crashing on him, so we do have to count Miles. Uh, so, guys, if you're in there, you may want to jump over and join followers, or if you're our follower and can't watch on Twitch and you're on our Facebook, say something in Facebook. Uh, well, we'll do that, and John helps us figure that out. I did promise I would show a picture off of my painted part of my ATSD because I did finish part of it. Um, so let me switch over to my solo paint cam so I can show this real quick. John, you work on that for me? And while I figure this last bit out. Um, this is what I went with as my paint scheme, and he is complete, the top part. Um, nothing really big, kind of simple, kind of decent. Nothing huge. Got a little bit of thing on the back. 
Kind of painted it. Keeps up. more blue on it. Just a little bit more blue, maybe Shut like a stripe along the sides or something. Hey, I'm just saying. Shut you wanted to match your guys. I'm, I'm helping you. Shut I'm up, helping. John. I'm helping. Shut up, John. <laughs> Maximum DT is asking if that's going to be magnetized, Gonzo. No, it is not. I'm just going to take it and leave it like this, and just put it on and take it off when I need to. Because I mean, it sits on there and just rotates just fine. So. Yeah. Then... So that's what, that's the top of my ATSC is going to be work. Um. This week I'll work on the rest of it and try to finish it up this week, which is just the legs and the, the center torso piece, which shouldn't be too much of a deal. So I think it turned out pretty neat looking. I like the armor plating. Maybe yeah. need to do some battle damage eventually, like maybe in a couple of weeks after it's been destroyed a couple of times, coming in just kind of... Blue. <laughs> Shut up, John. <laughs> so, all right. So how many people we got that are listed as followers or stayed followers? Got no so new followers? It says there's 11 people watching now, but they're not all actually following the Twitch stream, nope. our Twitch channel. Yep, some of them aren't. Oh, you guys, you got to start following the Twitch channel. Yeah. Yep. I put a note up in Facebook uh, a couple minutes ago, so hopefully... Oops, that's not good. Well, I hopefully... know that Miles, like I said, Miles couldn't... Uh, his Twitch room... Oh! Crimson 1919 and Ghost Wolf just came in with it. Crimson, Hooray! I can't believe that you have been a listener for this long and you have not been a follower. Yeah, because when you when you follow, you get all the updates when we do live stuff and everything. Oh my gosh, Crimson, you're so off the Christmas list. <laughs> so off no, the Christmas you're not. List. We love you. <laughs> all right, so we got Crimson 1919, Ghost Wolf. Uh, Maximum DT, uh, Webby, 76 came in. Um, I think that's Xander, of course. So one, two, three, four, five, because Miles is in Facebook and he can't, his Twitch is acting up. Yeah, he's definitely in Miles. He's definitely there. I see him. So give me a dice roll, John, one through five. One through five. One second here. Good lord, why does this thing hate me? Because you are trying to use it. That's fair. Three. Hey, Webby76. <laughs> Webby76, if you are watching, please either contact us through Facebook or contact us through here. Send me something. Um, I just need your address so I can send you a copy of the, ooh, look at that. Look at that. It goes to the background because of the green in it. Yep. Ooh, cool. So, so I can send you your copy of Crick's command book, Forces of War Machine. It's got some really awesome artwork in it, and it actually looks really cool on a green screen. Cool background. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, get that. Awesome. So, Webby, please, I will send you a message. If you can, send me something either here or on our Facebook. Ah, Kirk Sarge Carmack, you came in just a little too late, buddy. But we appreciate you following us. Oh, um, we'll be giving away more things in later episodes. Uh, I will be giving away something else next episode. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I may stream it live and say, hey, I'm giving away this. Um, okay. On one of my painting sessions, which I will be doing a lot more. Um, so keep an eye on that. Um, other than that, I think it's time for media section. 
Yeah, we, we don't have a lot of time, and I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Media! Media! This section is media! Okay. I have nothing to talk <laughs> about, so you guys talk amongst yourselves. Oh my gosh. I, have, I didn't watch anything this week. You're so Like, fired. except for a couple old episodes of Absolutely Fabulous, and that doesn't really count. <laughs> didn't count at all? <laughs> well, let, let, we gotta let our guest then go first, because we know that Evan definitely watched... A lot of media this yes, week, didn't you? Tell Evan? us, Evan, what did you watch or read or listen to? I saw Pacific Rim 2. And? No, what you, what you oh think? my god. It is the best worst movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, here's, that's fair. That's fair. here's Pacific Rim 2. It's, it's Think about the first movie and then throw that out the window because this is way better. Um, <laughs> so, it's just, it's, there's, it's trying to be the Avengers with the comedy, and that's like sometimes they hit it, and sometimes they really miss it. But the rest of it is just ridiculous. Like you're watching it, and they say something, and there's a weird explosion, and then there's robots, and they're not really robots, and then it's just crazy. And I love this movie because of how ridiculous it is. Oh my god! Am I, are, are we allowed to? You're allowed to cast. Unapologetic. Am I? No, no. I was about to say, am I allowed to spoil these? Um, are we? Are we at spoiler time yet? Uh, I don't know. It hasn't been uh, even a month, really. Yeah, it's Has not it? in the cheap theater yet. I saw it in the real theater, so. Yeah. Might be a little early for spoilers. Okay. Basically. Hey, Gavin. There's ridiculous meme bullshit that happens, and it's just everything's ridiculous. Everything is over the top and crazy. And it's like if you're here for the plot, you made a mistake. But like, I robots the plot was interesting overall. Like about the, the the concept story. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a cool idea. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But it's I not mean, like deep. It's not deep, and they don't no. go into it as much no. as they could. No. Um. Yeah, but like. If you came for robots punching monsters and also robots punching robots, you came to the right place. And it is. You did. There's some good stuff there. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that movie so much. So if you were going to give it, because you have to give it a rating between one shot of Kraken, because that's all you have to do to drink it, or five zero. shots. Or, zero okay, five. zero shots of Kraken. Which would be, you know, Big Trouble in Little China, or Five Shots of Kraken, which would be Atlantic. Turkish Star Wars. No, Atlantic Rim. Atlantic Star Rim. <laughs> How would you uh, give it? Oh man, as long as much as I watched it sober because I was in a theater, uh, I would. I think that'd be way more fun on like Four Shots of Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm here and I'm sober, but like, oh my god. Just, yeah, no, definitely like four. All right. All right, um, I have two things. Um, one of them is really quick. Um, I started watching um, The Expanse because a new season came out. Episode one came out. Really, really good. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, my next one is I watched on Netflix. I watched, watched Titan. Uh, Titan is a Netflix original movie. Um, excuse me. It's about a group of people. The planet is pretty much destroyed. Nuclear holocaust. All this other stuff. 
and we're about to run out of planet. So this guy concocts a, an idea that we're going to fast track evolution on people so they can live on the planet Titan. Um, the moon of Saturn? Yeah, Titan? yeah, the moon of Saturn Titan and live there, which is mostly a methane planet, I guess is what it was. And so also we're going to fast track. Yeah. So we're going to fast track their evolution and make them become resistible and able to live through the atmosphere of Titan. Cool concept. Awesome concept. Shitty movie. <laughs> so cold on Titan that methane freezes Titan? Yeah, the Titan. Um, <laughs> it was really cool. It was really good till about 75% of the movie was over. And then it just went downhill. It's like, we got all this plot. Yeah, we can't stop these people. These people are, you know, mutating and they're evolving. They're doing all these really cool superhuman things we wish could do. And... Off the cliff. We're done. Uh, I mean, it does seem like an interesting concept filled with potential. Yeah, it was. And I was like, man, this is... I'm like waiting. I'm waiting. So let's go to Titan. Let's see how this works out. Let's get this thing. And then there's a problem. And then, of course, there's a problem with these people mutating. Uh, and most people don't survive. Um, I was like, they can't survive the mutation. Okay, so we're going to have like very few people survive, and there's going to be very few people going to Titan. And there was like three times during the ending, the last part of the movie, I thought the movie was over. Oh, multiple endings is always a bad point. It, it, it was because I'm sitting there watching it, and they got the guy, and you can't ruin it. He's like the the last surviving guy, and you knew he's you knew he was going to be at the very beginning of it, sitting there, and they talk about it. Well. He's such a lucky person. Fade to black. That was a shitty fade back in. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden they're like, yes, we got to do this. This is how it's going to go. Fade to black. Fade back in. And then this. And I'm like, and then you think it's the actual ending. So you're like, okay. Fade back in. They're like fucking end it, and it, it, it's like they didn't know how to end the movie. Um, it it just wasn't. I would say three shots, but it, it was bad. Uh, it had some really cool special effects and had some really cool things on it. Um, it had some really interesting things, but it just was not there. And to answer Titan AE or Titan. Titan AE 100% because I love some Titan AE. That was a badass cartoon. So you can't even go anywhere with that. All right. So, John, you have four. Floor's all yours. I have four. Uh, quick is I apparently I thought it was halfway through season one of uh, Dark Matter when really they, they have 13 episode seasons, not 20 some. So I'm actually was done season one. So I'll show you season two. It's a bit more interesting so far. We'll see where it goes. Uh, so few episodes, I'm going to try and finish it. I mean, it's only another 13. You know, 20 episodes. So that sounds very enthusiastic. It, it, it's better, but it still hasn't grabbed me, grabbed me, but it is better than it was because they're not reusing the same tropes. And that's the problem. A 13-episode season, you can't use the same tropes multiple times for the entire season. It gets really bad. So that was sort of the big problem I have with that. And everyone says it's great. I'm hoping there's a payoff somewhere or maybe maybe it's just not for me but i'll finish it yeah maximum dt i know it goes to canceled um <laughs> uh today was movie day with alex and anna uh alex used to be one of our uh subscribers since he's his wife is having a, a child he doesn't have time he's getting stuff ready for that and 
time is at a premium. But he comes over because he has not watched a lot of movies when he was growing up. So he missed a ton of stuff. So we're sort of catching him up and making some sort of combination of movies that go together in some way, shape, or form. So today was quirky sci-fi movie day. So we watched The Ice Pirates and The Fifth Element. Woo! Oh my god! I love both those movies. Evan's oh, like, uh, what movies? Because those were like 40 years older than he is. <laughs> so Ice Pirates came out in, in March of 1984. Amazing. Uh-huh. I looked it up because, because Alex needed to figure out how old he was. He was months old, not a year old. <laughs> Probably when I first saw it on our new cable TV. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so... Ice Pirates is, I mean, big actors in that movie. Robert Urich. We're done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> not, not true, actually. I forgot. Hold on. There's one other actor. I'm trying to remember his name. Damn it. Let me, uh, my brain's just not, uh. Let you IMDB that. Already. Just note, this, this came out 12 years before I did. <laughs> that's, o- that's okay. <laughs> have, have, have you seen it, Evan? I haven't heard of it. Oh my god, you've got to see Ice Pirates. This is totally oh, worth watching. This sounds fantastic. I, I will give you two words of Space reason herpes. why you had to... Space Herpes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Space Herpes. That's the only reason. <laughs> That's the only reason. Is so, Space Herpes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> also in this movie is, uh, is uh, Ron Perlman. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. A very, very, very young Ron Perlman. Um, so the whole movie, the idea is that they've had lots of wars, and now water is the most precious thing in the universe. And pirates go and they, they transport it as ice, like you do. So pirates go and steal it, and that's their money currency. But it really ends up being a more of a... It's a Star Wars ripoff of a certain point, where, you know, Robert Urich is your 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 Han Solo analog and a princess he, he meets, and... She gets him to go find her father in the, the seventh world where all the water is. And basically, it's the whole journey from here to there. It is very quirky. It is not very good, but it is enjoyable because you can make fun of it the entire time. <laughs> I love the most about this movie, looking over and seeing the horrified looks on Alex's face every so often as something crazy happened. <laughs> because it's the 80s, and things were different in the 80s. Best stupid movie ever. Except oh, man. Also, uh, Evil Dead 2 is also the best stupid movie ever. And think about it, it also has Angelica Houston in it. Thank yeah. you, Xander Boylord. It does have Angelica Houston in it. Um, it's got some enjoyable parts, but it's not a good movie, but it's not terrible. Having watched something for my solo podcast last night, it was way better than that. It's very amusing. Uh, Anna's review was, it's fine. Alex gives it four out of five space herpes. <laughs> and Norton gives it three out of five space herpes, and I give it three shots of Kraken solid. You might need a fourth, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. if you've seen it before. I will tell you right now, there are some really good scenes in that and just some really good stuff. I mean, space herpes is one, and the robot. robot. Buford. Buford oh, is black. amazing. I hate to ask you this, but why did you make him black? Because the robot guy is black. He's like, yes. Because I wanted him to be perfect. <laughs> This is the best line in the movie. <laughs> so Brett and his like, face says it all. He's like, the oh, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> See, Brett, that was the alternate one. Uh, he was going to give it four out of five toothy castrations, but decided to go on the space or <laughs> piece of bed. Yes. What is this? What is this? Oh, yeah. What? That's 
Yes. Castration yeah. conveyor belt. Chomp. 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 And you're moving towards it with your legs. No, don't no, spoil it. Don't spoil it. That's hardly a spoiler. I know. Actually, Don't go any further. The movie is Gonto, older than you. Years <laughs> old. Yeah, but Evan never seen it. <laughs> oh, so, Norn had bought that because we wanted Alex to have the maximum horribleness ever. So, we, we love that. That's awesome. And uh, Fifth Element? Yeah, we saw Fifth Element. Uh, you guys all know the Fifth Element. Very quirky uh, sci-fi movie. Bruce Willis, Miljovich, uh, Chris Tucker in his most annoying, but probably most appropriately annoying. Um, Ian Holm, who played uh, in, he was uh, the original Bilbo and also played in Aliens, or Alien, sorry. And uh, the movie is obviously way better than some of its parts. If you look at the parts separately, you're like, this should be a shit movie. Yes. But it actually ends up being very good, very enjoyable, very fun. Um, Anna's review was, I didn't fall asleep. She looked close a couple times, but she's pregnant, so I gave her a pass. Yeah. And we did all have, uh, banana splits beforehand, so. Uh, Alex gave it one out of five space herpes. And Nora said, and I quote, well, if you cut a space herpes in half, it's dead, so zero out of five space herpes. (laughs) 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 And then... And then the note was, Chris Tucker is the space herpes. From Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this is one of those rare ones where the, the, the shots of Kraken goes up higher because it is just as enjoyable drunk as sober. Officially, I'd give it a one. It is a couple points you're like, what's going on? And But overall, it's good. But drink more. You will definitely have a great time in it. Gary Oldman is great in it as the bad guy. Um, it is Luke Perry's best movie. He did it for about <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> so, so to be fair, Luke uh, Perry's second best movie is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's actually pretty decent. Yeah. I'm sorry. So we did a, uh, a double feature movie night, my friends and I, and uh, we did Fifth Element and Blade Runner. And those two movies actually go well together. Yeah, I they, they both have floating cars, but one is like light and... and sort of comedic and the other one is just dark and brooding and i'll tell you right now. Note how the cops in that movie were pretty much like the cops today shoot first shoot second yeah um so that was our ratings of that and then the more important one and i know we're running over but this i promised i would talk about it uh, i had never seen Watchmen, so my buddy loaned me his dvd which is a director's cut and i watched that on thursday after i got the job and first off it's over three hours long. Yes. So don't watch the director's cut. Uh, overall, it is not a bad movie. It is a fairly faithful adaptation of the graphic novel. And I think that is probably the biggest problem of the, uh, of the movie is that it's too faithful. Uh, I feel like they either needed to go uh, artsy-fartsy with it full on where they needed to go full on Hollywood with it. This half and half didn't work because so aside from Jeffrey Dean Morgan and because my brain's not working because I've had alcohol a lot. The guy who plays Rorschach. Mm. uh, I can't remember his name either. Jackie Earl Haley, Jackie Haley or something like that. Uh, Aside from those two, 
the rest of the cast is bad. Or at least not good. There's a bunch of bit people who are fine, but they're not great. And the guy who plays Night Owl is not good. The guy who plays uh, um, Osmandius is not good. Um, Silk Spectre is okay, but not great. And that really kills the whole thing. You don't like Night Owl as much as you should. He's supposed to be sort of the everyman analog where you're coming in there. And when Rorschach is arguably one of the most likable characters in the movie, you have a problem. Yeah. Um, I actually found the most likable character was the original Night Owl. And in the director's cut, they have a scene where he gets murdered, which is not needed uh, in the movie at all. It's... It, being cut is fine. It was important in the book, but not important in the movie. Uh, overall, it's pretty solid. I suggest you watch the movie overall. Uh, I would actually suggest more. You get the graphic novel and read it. Yes. Um, but you have to realize it is a product of its time. It is very much intrinsically tied to what we were like in the 80s. Sort of like watching um, uh, Dark Knight Returns, the the graphic novel there, or the, the, movie, the video adaptation of that. It's tied to the 80s it is one in parcel with the 80s and doesn't hold parts but don't hold up as much because uh like evan wouldn't get the whole you know the whole red scare and the whole you know cold war it doesn't mean as much because right. it wasn't a thing as much i um, mean sure <laughs> I mean, you understand it but it's not it doesn't have the same impact. effect yeah, yeah effect exactly uh so it's kind of kind of weird there but overall it was a good movie I'll give it a solid two shots of Kraken. I would not, uh, I would not like turn down watching it again, but it's not one I'm going to go out and buy or anything. So, there's that. I think I'm done. And I think that's it. We are that now me? at the end of the episode. Everybody's got their stuff. We want to thank our sponsors, of course, Broken Egg Games for being part of us. Um, uh, guys, we've got some more stuff coming up from them pretty soon, and we got some big surprises coming up. Uh, also, Tectonic Craft Studios, they do the sponsor of the media section. And uh, I am talking to try to get with Dan after he gets done with a few of his conventions. He's going to be on the podcast talking about his new products and talking about things about making terrain for a table. Um, and that's when I will also be painting his product and giving it away at the end of the show. Uh, and also, we have Mechanica Studios doing some awesome graphic design work for us. Um, if you need something done, you definitely got to check out Chris. Chris is a very good friend of mine. He will give you a good deal and treat you right. Um, guys, I think it was a pretty good podcast. Evan, of course, as always, I love you, son. Thanks for you for coming on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, thanks all of y'all for joining us. It's because they all, we do this. Otherwise we'd just be getting drunk talking to ourselves. Um, well, we do that anyway, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So, uh, next week, we'll let you know about Wednesday. John, do we have anything coming out from you this week? Uh, there will be a uh, Minis and Movies got to as soon as I can. Starting a new job, so I can't guarantee. But it has normal hours, so I should have something for you uh, middle of the week. Okay. Um, there is no uh, Dawn of the Harbinger this week. Uh, we will be back next week with that. We're taking a little break for this week for our guys because we don't want to put it all the time. Um, Kathy, you got anything for us coming up anytime soon? I don't know. I got nothing. 
Kathy, I know that you're working on, uh, we're working on Kathy's video right now to give another one so she can do painting. I think you were wanting to do what, gemstones possibly? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Painting okay. gemstones. Teaching how to paint gemstones. Evan, you got a thing up coming up? What about Arcane Assist? Y'all got a new video coming up anytime soon? Yeah. So, um, I forget which order they're coming out in, but uh, we have uh, at the Sioux, I did a run through of Breach Storm with Trevi. It's his yes. new game that's going to be coming out on Kickstarter in July. So we have yep. a little bit of a demo as well as an explanation of the the ideas and concepts behind the game as well as what's coming out. Uh, and then if everything goes well, I'm also going to be putting up the game between Tim and JVM at, that happened at Captain Con. So that's going to be a pretty good one to go up uh, either this Monday or next. Again, I forget the order, but those are the things coming in the next two weeks. Sweet. Awesome. All right, also, guys. I would just like to say in honor of Trevi, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Trevi hasn't said that he will be coming back on the podcast and uh, when Kickstarter goes live and talking about stuff. Also, he said he would give me some of his miniatures to paint up for the podcast, too. So that would be kind of cool. He knows I suck at painting. I don't know why he's going to do that. But All right, guys. We're going to get out of here. we got more beer to drink, more miniatures to paint. Thanks for showing up. Pee. For More Than Dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm Kathy. I have to pee. <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest was Hi, Bye, guys. <laughs> and it's Bye. dance time. Dance time. I like. Ooh, the sounds really low now. What'd you do that for? Where's the music? It went really low with the new system. Let's crank that music up. Crank that soldier boy. Like I can really just dance to nothing here, but it's more fun. I'm sure Jim's got some dollar bills over there too. <laughs> That's not awkward. We can't see it. Nobody else can see her dancer for dollar bills. You can't be tired already. What are you laughing at? This, the, everything. Yeah, I, I, you know, and it's dead air for people who are just listening. They don't get the joy of seeing us all act like asses. <laughs>